Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. It's great to be in the house of Hashem, and thank you for watching uh, online or listening. If you're listening to this via a podcast, we've got a lot of people listening via podcast also. Uh, In fact, we still have a really, really, really high podcast listenership out of the country of India right now. I'm not exactly sure why, but we have a real connection. Uh, it's, it's, it's significant numbers of, of people are listening to our podcast in India, uh, in addition, of course, to all over the U.S. and, uh, and other countries as well. But man, we have a, and I welcome all of our, our Indian <laughs> listeners as well from the country of India. May the Lord bless you as you learn about the, the special roots of the faith. And speaking of the roots of the faith, Chag Sameach, uh, Chag Pesach Sameach, I'll say it to you, happy Passover. I hope you've been enjoying your Passover. Uh, I know that, that we have. It's been a blessing, all the, uh, the different, how many different things can you make with matzah? That's the question, right? You know, how many things can you make with matzah? And we're running out. Uh, I understand that. We are running out, but thankfully, uh, it ends soon. Uh, the end of Shabbat uh, this week ends Passover, uh, and so it, is, uh, it will be time uh, thereafter to partake in, in 11 again. But in any case, we are still in Passover right now. You can turn your scriptures to Exodus chapter 1. The children of Israel were in Egypt. And as we know, a Pharaoh arose in Egypt uh, that did not know Joseph, and he enslaved the Jewish people. And when we're talking about enslaving the Jewish people, man, bad stuff. And this Pharaoh in particular, and as time went on, it was bad, man, how he was treating the Jewish people horrifically, terribly, uh, mercilessly. How much so? Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse 11 says, So they set slave masters over them to afflict them with forced labor and built Pithom and Ramses the storage cities for Pharaoh. So the more they afflicted them, the more the Egyptians afflicted the Jewish people, the more they multiplied and the more they spread. So the Egyptians dreaded the presence of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. They worked them harshly and made their lives bitter and with hard labor and mortar and brick, doing all sorts of work in the fields. In all their labors, they worked with cruelty. How much so? I'm going to skip down now to verse 22. But Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, You are to cast every son that is born into the river, let every daughter live. Oof. Friends, this is intense. This is, this is pre-Exodus. This is pre-Moses. Actually, it was part of the whole Moses story. What did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh, 
feared all the Jewish people rising up that were his slaves, and, and he brutalized them. Brutal. So much so that he feared their numbers so much that then he made the edict, kill every baby boy. Kill every son. Throw them into the Nile. Horrific, horrific. And you'll remember, of course, this is how Moses came, having been drawn from the water when his family sent him down the Nile to try to save him from this murderous decree. But beloved, God took note. God took note of what Pharaoh did to his chosen people. These are weighty matters. I got to be... Being straightforward with you, this message is a, is a little more intense message than typical just because of the, of the content. Man, this is weighty stuff. God took note of what these people did to the Jewish people. Remember, God said in Genesis 12, 3, I'll bless them that bless thee. But it also says, I'll curse them that curse thee. This is from God himself. This was brutal and cruel and demonstrated the abject evil of the Pharaoh and of the ancient Egyptians. I've done something that I think that there are not many speakers or clergy, pastors, rabbis that have done. What is it? Some people say, Rabbi, you know, do you ever do series of, of messages? You know, series. A lot of people do series. It's all the rage. It's popular. Okay, so a lot of people do series. I got nothing wrong, no problem with series. I, actually, I do series. And uh, however, I don't typically do series in the, necessarily the same way that you see all around. Why? Because my series take a little bit longer. I'll tell you how so. For nine years during Passover, we've been exploring the various plagues that were inflicted upon the Egyptians. Each year during Passover, the Shabbat during Passover, we would take a different plague that was inflicted upon the Egyptians because we have many, many lessons to learn from the plagues themselves, the plagues that were inflicted upon the Egyptians. In 2019, I went over plague number nine, darkness, and I planned on doing the 10th and final plague in 2020. <laughs> However, y'all... It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. People were already freaking out so much. It didn't seem quite the right time to talk about the 10th and worst plague. You can understand. I mean, I remember I was like, man, people need encouragement right now. It's like, Lord, do I, do I give them the 10th plague? And I was like, yeah, you know, save that one until next year, Kevin. Okay, Lord. Okay. All right. But, but so, so this is unique, y'all. This is the conclusion of a series that, remarkably, was supposed to be a 10-year series, but we've extended it to 11 years because we skipped a year last year. So, like I said, man, when I do a series, man, I do a series, 11 years series. Thank you very much. But, but truth be told, you think about it, the Jewish people, right, Liel? I mean, from the time uh, we can read even the time of Yeshua and before, uh, with the Hebrew calendar, right? With the parashot, there's, there's essentially a series that repeats year after year after year after year. So it's absolutely beautiful. 
But nonetheless, we are going to pick up today with, uh, in this series with the final plague, the 10th plague. That's why I told you, wow, this message is a little bit more intense because of the content of the 10th plague. It's the 10th and final plague. Now, some of you who are newer to Bethel said, man, I want to hear the, uh, okay, the library, once we get it open again, it'll have a CD. Maybe we'll put together a little CD series with all 10 or something, I don't know, all the plagues, and we'll see uh, how that goes. But in any case, there have already been nine brutal plagues when we get to this point. And the, li- the last one that we talked about in 2019, if you remember, <laughs> uh, the ninth plague was darkness. Darkness was the ninth plague. And that's very interesting being the penultimate uh, plague. Why? Uh, because is, interestingly, scriptures recount that for three days, the darkness was so intense, scriptures tell us that the darkness could be felt. Man, that's interesting to think about. You'd never think about it in that way. The darkness was so intense. Scripture says you couldn't see anybody around you. They didn't have electric lights too. And and even the, the light that was there, this darkness covered the land. You could actually feel it. You could feel the darkness. To me, as I reflect on the, on the plague of darkness, which was the ninth out of 10, to me, it's very foreboding. You know, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, it's like, wow, the ninth plague was darkness. And it's like the darkness came, not just for like a few minutes or an hour, but for three days, darkness. It's the scary stuff, almost like a scary movie or something, right? It's that, it's that, it's that moment that's the, that's the quiet in a movie. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I don't watch scary movies, as a side note. I don't want to get that stuff into my brain. I, I do not watch scary movies. But even with, with movies that, that have this, this buildup and then something's going to happen, sometimes you're watching this movie and then, and then there's that quiet. You know, and you know it's like, uh-oh. And sometimes it gets dark and you know something, something serious is about to happen. You know, I, I, think about, I think about one of my favorite movies. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, it's a great movie with uh, Harrison Ford. And, and, uh, and, and like that moment right before they're going to open the, the ark. You know that moment. If you've seen the movie, you know that moment. They're about to open the ark, you know, and Marion, don't open your eyes. Don't look at it, Marion. Okay, he said there's, there's uh, Indiana right there. Tell and, 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 the, and the movie gets quite... You know, and the music kind of goes, you know, it's, like, it's intense, man. And you can kind of, you kind of feel it. It's dark and, and everything. And it's like, whoa, boy, watch out. Something is about to go down and it's going to be intense. I have chills thinking about it right now. This, is, this was the ninth plague, darkness. Something's going to go down here. You better be paying attention. It's frightening. The darkness, you know, didn't cause physical harm to the Egyptians, but it was very, very intense. It was almost like a message, kind of like in that movie, you're messing with something immeasurably bigger than you. But even then, of course, Pharaoh negotiated in bad faith with Moses and the Jewish people, and he did not let them go. He did not get the clue there. It's interesting because at this point, the greatest country in the world at the time, Egypt, was in total ruins because of the previous eight plagues and then the ninth of darkness. I mean, Egypt was in ruins, y'all. 
after all those horrific plagues that were inflicted upon her. So many terrible plagues brought down on the Egyptians. And despite even his advisor's counsel, Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go. But of course, God knew this. His heart was hardened. And God had already told Moses that a final plague would be needed. So when the darkness lifted, and then when Pharaoh said to Moses, no, I'm not going to let you go, and they got into it. You, if you read the, the dialogue in Exodus chapter 10 11, we'll go to 11 now. If you look at the dialogue, you can tell that, man, they were, they were getting intense with each other. Uh, and they were, ups- I mean, after this much time, and surely they knew each other from when Moses was in the uh, royal family. Uh, and, uh, and it was very intense. They were very intense with each other. And so finally we get to that point. And God, uh, and we read what Moses said, Exodus chapter 11, starting in verse 4. Here we go. So Moses said, this is what Adonai says. At around midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the firstborn of the maidservant behind the mill, along with all the firstborn cattle. There will be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, the likes of which has never been before, nor will ever be again. But not so much as a dog will growl against any of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, neither man nor beast, so that you may know that Adonai makes a distinction between the Egyptians and Israel. All these servants of yours will come down to me and bow down to me, saying, get out, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go. Then he went out from Pharaoh, hot with anger. Man, I got chills. Man, Moses, he he was not playing. He was a serious dude. My dad used to say, I quit school because of recess. I don't play. (laughs) Always liked that one. Mark liked that one too. That was always a good. I love when he said that. That was Moses, man. Moses quit school because of recess. He don't play. He was one serious. That is intense, y'all. That is intense. It's 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 hard to even fathom this as as you think about it. Now, after everything that had happened to to Egypt, Pharaoh still would not let the children of Israel go. So Moses told them of the of the final tenth plague that would come. And if you think about it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Does it sound similar to something? Indeed, it does. It was, in fact, <laughs> it was, in fact, the killing of the baby boys that brought about Moses in the first place. Egypt had taken away the children of the Jewish people. Now, God would be taking away the firstborn of Egypt. I have chills. These are are truly kind of frightening things in the most humbling of way. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21, we read this. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel. He was preparing them. He was telling them what was going to happen. And he said to them, Go select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. You were to take a bundle of hyssop 
Dip it in the blood that is in the basin and apply it to the cross beam and the two doorposts with the blood from the basin. None of you may go out of the door of his house until morning. Adonai will pass through to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the cross beam and the two doorposts, Adonai will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you down. Oh my gosh. You know, that's the, this is the kind of stuff that y'all... You see things on TV, you see things in the media, you see things going on in the world, you see people shaking their fist in God's face, and, and, you, and you think, ooh, the 10th and final plague is so symbolic. I want to contextualize a little bit the, the plagues to make things a little simpler, and, and in this, I want you to see something. It's such a shadow. It's such a shadow of something that is to come. I, I want to I rephrase, if you will, the plagues. And you think yourself, if you're watching at home or wherever you are, my Jewish brother or sister, you think about what this sounds like. Because it relates to our Messiah, Yeshua. Pharaoh and Egypt were disobedient to the commands of God and of Israel and did not do what was right but instead did what was evil. God then sent warning after warning after warning after warning and warning and warnings. Finally, when all was said and done, death was the penalty. But God made a special allowance. If a lamb was slain for you and its blood was shed, and displayed on the doorpost, then the angel of death would pass over. Friends, this is exactly the story of Yeshua. This is exactly the story of the Messiah. Think about it. This is exactly the story of Messiah. As God has, has warned us, but we have to have the blood of the Passover lamb. And what holiday was Yeshua celebrating with his Talmudim before his execution and resurrection? Of course, Passover. No coincidence there. At the same time, beloved, let me say this from the Egyptian side of things. Don't let it get to the 10th plague before God gets your attention. God is trying to get your attention, brother or sister, sir or ma'am. God is trying to get your attention. Don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. He's trying to wake you up to something. And think about this. This is interesting. It's something, uh, Mark, that I hadn't thought about until I was preparing this message about the 10th plague. And then it struck me and it was like, wow, that's very, very interesting. I never thought about this before. Because in all the other nine plagues, the first nine plagues, the children of Israel weren't really asked to do anything. Right? I mean, you think about blood, flies, gnats, murine, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Boils, darkness. Okay. 
the children of Israel, what was happening there is that Egypt, the Pharaoh was being told, let my people go. Let my people. So Egypt was being told to do something. And if not, the plagues came and, and such. But nothing was asked of the Israelites. However, when it comes to this plague, we really see that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All mankind needs a blood atonement for salvation. This is consistent with the Torah in Leviticus chapter 17. Isn't that interesting? Everybody needs a blood atonement. When the destroyer comes, when the destroyer comes, you can't make any excuses. Well, I'm a nice guy. No. Why? Well, I, I give to charity. I'm Jewish. None of these things are good enough, my friends. Is there blood on your doorpost? That's the question. Is there blood on your doorpost? Very interesting, this 10th plague. Well, moving down to verse 28 of Exodus chapter 12. So then B'nai Yisrael, which means the children of Israel, went and did it. Okay, they did the whole Passover lamb. They put the blood just, they did just as I had commanded Moses and Aaron. And so then it happened. So it came about at midnight that Adonai struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn cattle. Then Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Oof. So he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, go out from my people, both you and B'nai Israel. Go serve Adonai as you have said. Wow. Wow. That's absolutely powerful story. Man, when, when the destroyer came in and those firstborn were slain, oh, what a horrible night in the history of the world that must have been. What a horrific night. Interestingly, though, we also know that what was one of the purposes of the plagues? God said it in his word. One of the purposes of the plagues is that they were meant to offset the very gods of Egypt. That was part of the purpose. The greatest country in the world with all their many, many gods, the Egyptians, man, if you study Egyptology, the Egyptians had all these gods. But the God of Israel was saying, no, 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 no. There's one God, and, and it is the God of Israel. And he systematically, through the plagues, and I've gone through this, Plagues one through nine. I've showed you pictures. I've, I've gone through. We've looked at uh, ancient Egyptology some to talk about some of the gods and how the plagues, the first nine plagues, and, and which plague and which god it was meant to offset. It's, it's, it's really clear to, to see. And sometimes there were multiple gods that were being offset by the plagues. Very, very interesting and, 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 and powerful and the death of the firstborn is a biggie. Obviously, it makes sense intuitively, but it's a biggie in this regard to offset the very gods of Egypt. Why? Because it defies so many Egyptian gods 
And also, it defies the most important Egyptian gods. It is like a, it's like the final you know, uh, nail in the coffin, so to speak, when it comes to the Egyptian gods and all this Egyptology and all the, the people worshiping these Egyptian gods. I want to take, take you through just a moment to show you a little bit about how the death of the firstborn was meant to contravene and, and meant to uh, uh, come against any f- uh, false gods, and specifically some of the false gods of Egypt. Let's show the first slide. The first slide is Isis. You see Isis. One of the gods of Egypt, one of the biggies. Isis was one of the biggies. She was one of the big gods, of, goddesses of Egypt, right? Said to be the mother of Pharaoh, the goddess of health and uh, amongst other things. Isis, uh, the name itself means throne. If you look at the top of her head, there's actually a throne on it that, that's symbolic of the power and of the authority. You understand? She had a central role, spells of protection, healing. She was also known as the goddess who protected children. Said, said to have power over fate itself. With the death of the firstborn, God was coming against Isis. Next one, Osiris. Osiris, Osiris is well known as one of the, the biggie Egyptian gods as well. He was considered the, the deity of the Pharaoh himself, often uh, symbolized by uh, uh, the color green. To, to imply death, if you will. So he was supposedly had authority over death and, and, uh, and the afterlife. God in the 10th plague was coming against Osiris, which we know, although they call them Egyptian gods, they were demonic powers. You understand this. This is what they were. The next one is Ra, Ra himself, sometimes Amun-Ra. Ra, the sun god, known as the king of the gods. He was said to have kind of like final authority on on such things as happened to to man. He always had symbolically a sun on the top of his his head. An animal head, right? And when God came... And the firstborn of Egypt died. It was coming against even the king of the gods, Ra, of the Egyptian gods. These were demons, you understand. Finally, of course, the last one, Pharaoh himself. Pharaoh himself, my friends. Pharaoh, who's known as the son of Ra. And Horus is, is also a, a big-time Egyptian god. And Pharaoh was known as the incarnation of Horus in life and of Osiris in death. We talked about Osiris already. Pharaoh was known as a god on earth. This is what the Pharaoh, this was the living Pharaoh that God, the God of Israel, was coming against. Pharaoh himself. You know, it's interesting because in the past nine plagues, I've gone over what Egyptian gods, the individual plagues were meant to offset, but this plague came directly against Pharaoh himself. This plague came straight at Pharaoh himself. In the flesh, known, 
considered to be the, the, the son of Ra in the flesh, if you will, the greatest of the Egyptian gods. And so then therefore Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's firstborn, was a future Pharaoh. And therefore, he was a, literally an Egyptian god himself, small g. So even the death, or rather the death of even Pharaoh's son would show that the God of Israel was superior to even the greatest of the Egyptian gods because he came right at Pharaoh with this one because Pharaoh's son was slain, we read. Man, that's intense. This really was the finale in showing that the God of Israel is God. He was making it absolutely clear, unambiguously, that the God of Israel is God, not any of these Egyptian gods. Not the gods of what was, at that time, the most powerful country in the world. Hello, hello, hello. By the way, this is not a message only for 4,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. This is a message for today. Right? We're currently the most powerful country in the world. Did you get that? We're currently Los Estados Unidos, the United States, America. America is the most powerful country in the world right now. And there are many false gods here in the U.S. Things are objectively changing, my friends, even before our very eyes. Just this week, I saw a, a new, one of these major polls by the Gallup Company Corporation. You know, Gallup is the number one pollsters for a, a century. And, and they've done this one particular poll for, uh, since 1937. And, and, and the report from this most recent year, uh, the year 2020, just came out this week. The report from the Gallup Company, some of you may have heard of it. When, in 1937, when Gallup first measured it, 70% of Americans were former mem formal members of houses of worship, over 70%. And that remained steady for 60 years, just like a little, slight little blips. But about 70% of America, formal members, not even just claimed to be believers, but I'm talking about formal membership. That's a high, that's a high, high percentage. You know, uh, for 60 years, Pretty much the same, around the same. But then starting around the year 2000, 1998, 2000, they said in this report, you could see it, this is publicly, they've done the same survey every year for 80 years. Something started changing and the numbers started to go down. It started to decline, decline, decline. So this past year, 2020, first time since they've ever recorded it, it's dropped below 50% now. We're now at 49%. And that includes people who are, say they're members, but they never even, you know, come or go or, you know what I'm saying? It's just, but even that, it's now under 50%, first time ever in America. Things are changing, my friends, beloved. We need a blood covering on our doorpost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Rabbi Shaul calls Yeshua our Passover lamb. He calls Yeshua our Passover lamb. 
I talked about this some last Shabbat. Indeed, interestingly enough, because of course he is the lamb who was slain, right? Yeshua was the lamb. Why? So his blood could be applied to the doorposts of our hearts. This, this, is, this is the whole purpose he came to planet earth. The healings were great. The teachings were wonderful. It was very, very powerful. The miracles. But the purpose he came to earth was so his blood could be shed for you and for me. And why? So that if we receive it, that blood is applied to the doorframe of our, of our hearts. And we see in the book of Revelation, the amazing revelation given to Yochanan, John, we see in the book of Revelation mentions the lamb 34 times. That's a lot. And my friends, the lamb is Yeshua. The lion is also Yeshua, the lion of the tribe of Judah. I got the lion right over there. It's the fourth window here in our stained glass. But Yeshua is the lamb. And Yochanan shares a vision. It's, it's almost like uh, the mist goes away a little bit, right, Allison? And you can suddenly see in this vision into the throne room of God. In the throne room of God. And here was the scene that was in the, the throne room of God. Revelation chapter 5. Let's take a look at what is seen and heard in the throne room. The question was, was all about who is worthy? Who is worthy to, to open the scrolls as to what is going to happen in the end of days in the world? And finally, it was concluded. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked up, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Their number was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. They were chanting with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything in them respond to the one seated upon the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory, and power forever and ever. Beloved, all that is connected to Passover. It is all connected to the story that we just read. That which we are going to be experiencing in heaven as we talk about and, and give glory and honor and praise and exaltation to the Lamb, to the Lamb of God. This all relates to Passover. And even more specifically, it relates to the 10th plague that we're in right now. Because Messiah Yeshua is our Passover Lamb. Because in truth, we are the Israelite slaves. All of us are the Israelite slaves. Without God, we are slaves to sin. We're disobedient. We're rebellious as our people were. But even within our disobedience, God provides a way for us to receive mercy from the penalty of death that we all deserve. But we must be obedient and place the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorposts of our heart. 
hearts because worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And he is indeed worthy to receive all glory and power and honor and majesty, even in our own lives, brothers and sisters. So remarkably, remarkably, God provided the atonement for us through the death of his first Born, the Passover lamb, whose blood on our own hearts brings mercy and salvation. The title of my message is The Death of the Firstborn. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, O Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Man, that is powerful stuff. Oh, Lord. I want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you've never given your life to God, how about today? How about now? If you have never said yes to Yeshua, but you would like to wherever you are, lift your hand and we'll pray together. Is there anyone who's never said that prayer but wants to today? Wow, that's a powerful word, my friends. If you're watching online or listening on the podcast, you've never given your life to Yeshua, repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. God, please apply the, the blood of Messiah on the doorposts of my heart so that the angel of death, the destroyer, passes over me. Thank you, Lord God, on this Passover season. Forgive me my sins, Lord. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, O oh God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, Please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. And Lord, I pray for everybody else who is here and watching and listening. God, I thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, it's just uh, my heart breaks as I think about the intransigence of man and, and how these plagues were, were even necessary in any way, shape, or form to release your, your people from bondage. But Lord God, I thank you, Lord, for what you brought about. You brought about salvation through the 10th plague as the Passover lamb was slain and applied the blood applied to the doorframe. God, and just as such a clear type and shadow, we see, God, that Yeshua is the same. He is the Passover lamb, and we need it. We need it because we don't deserve, deserve Lord's salvation and forgiveness. We're not good enough on our own. Lord, it is only through your grace and mercy, which we don't deserve, but nonetheless, you so lovingly give to us. If only we apply the blood on the door frames of our, of our hearts. So Lord, I thank you for that. This really, in many ways, is a message about your firstborn. It's a message about Messiah Yeshua, the firstborn of God. And, and Lord, your only begotten son. And Lord, I pray and I thank you, God. I give you thanks, Lord, for our Passover lamb. Here we are, it's Passover. And I thank you for the Passover lamb that was slain for us. And just like it says in the book of Revelation, Lord, in, in that throne room, Lord, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. 
all glory, power, honor, majesty, Lord, it belongs to him. Blessed is the lamb. Gratitude to the lamb. Thanks to the lamb. Lord, authority to the lamb. Authority in my life to the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, O Lord God, for your great mercy to me even when the destroyer is about, even when the angel of death is all around, yet there is safety under the shelter, Lord, of that blood atonement of your Moshiach, of your Messiah. God, even as the world around us kind of goes haywire and turns each to his own way, and yet, Lord, I'm reminded of Isaiah 53, you have laid upon Yeshua the iniquity of us all. Thank you, Lord God. We bless you and we thank you so much. Thank you for the Shabbat. What a wonderful time as we're preparing to conclude our Passover season this year. Thank you, Lord, for passing over us. We can really reflect in the time of plague about your mercies. But even more important than passing over us for, for COVID, because many people have gotten it, but much more important is passing over us, Lord, so that we have forgiveness and that we will be forever with you. Mm. Thank you, God, for all of these things. In Yeshua's name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Shalom.